I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Dass, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Welcome to the Rerooted Podcast with Francesca Maxime, trauma-sensitive mindfulness meditation teacher and poet. Together, we'll take a closer look at approaches to transforming trauma with insights from psychology, neuroscience, spirituality, social justice, and the creative arts. Join Francesca and her guests for an exploration of our shared connection and how we can cultivate greater compassion for ourselves and for others. If you'd like to support Francesca and the Rerooted Podcast, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com forward slash Francesca. Hi, everybody. I'm Francesca Maxime. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of Rerooted, where we really invite us to um, go back, dig deep, dig down to that which is already tethered to the earth, is of the earth, uh, is right here with us all the time, and that we are connected to it and to one another, whether we like it or not. And so we are just rerouting into that sense of our inner connection and into our own inner wisdom and well-being. And um, I just want to say also that uh, as the day of this taping is April 4th, uh, 2019, this is the anniversary of Dr. Uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King's assassination. And that's relevant always. Um, but particularly in these times, but also for the conversation I think that we're going to be having today with um, my friend from uh, Minneapolis, <laughs> Resma Medicum. Um, he is the author of My Grandmother's Hands, Racialized Trauma and the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Our Bodies, as well as two other books, which I'm sure he can tell you about as well. I'm just going to give you a little bit more information about Resma. Uh, he is an MSWLICSWNSEP. Uh, for those who aren't therapists, uh, he's a social mm -hmm. worker, a psychotherapist, and a somatic experiencing practitioner, as I am the latter, not the former. He's appeared on both The Oprah Winfrey Show and Dr. Phil, an expert on conflict and violence. He served as Director of Counseling Services for the Tubman Family Alliance, as Behavioral Health Director for African American Family Services in Minneapolis, as a domestic violence counselor for Wilder Foundation and as a certified military and family life consultant for the U.S. Armed Forces, as a trauma consultant for the Minneapolis Public Schools, a cultural somatics consultant for the Minneapolis Police Department, and a community care counselor, and many, many more credentials, which I could get into, but I would rather just talk directly with um, <laughs> and have him talk to you. So welcome and thank you for joining us on Rebooted. 
Thank you, sis. It's, it's, uh, it's good to be with you. It really is. And may, may the ancestors guide what I say to you as well as what you say back to me. I love that. And I love how um, we're beginning with this real sort of nod and um, an affirmation of that. And ancestors, um, I always like to say that, you know, on the land that I'm on right now, this is not my mm -hmm. land and I'm not in Brooklyn. And that's sort of made Absolutely. up that this is the land of the earth and I'm on Lenape land. The indigenous mm -hmm. folks who are here um, that are still here some <clears throat> uh, that this is a nod to understanding that um, there is a systemic removal um, a genocide of these uh, beautiful people who were here and that um, that this has happened and continues to happen to many communities uh, particularly of color and so mm -hmm. just also laying that there as we begin yes. our conversation yes Thank you for doing that. I, I, when I do my workshops, I do that also because I think it's really important in, in any type of trauma work, and you know this from, from, from your practice, one of the most important things is orienting and context and helping traumatized body and helping, and helping bodies understand context, the current context and the current orientation. Many times that's, that's not where people are oriented to. And so I think for you to say that, um, I just, just want to say thank you for saying that because it's important that as we start that people understand what our orientation is. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And, and, and so let's, let's begin maybe the conversation around, I mean, we can do it any way you want, right? Um, whatever way we flow, so to speak, um, yes, around the, the idea of, of trauma, mm. personal trauma, mm -hmm systemic trauma, generalized mm -hmm. trauma. Mm -hmm. And um, this idea that you bring up in your uh, e-courses, you have a free e-course and then you have mm -hmm. another one that's more extensive, um, that's um, under $100, which is um, you know possible uh, for a lot of people. And I'm sure that for those who it's not so possible, there might be another way to work with that. Yes, absolutely. Um, and that, um, that these are about understanding things, for example, like black body trauma and white body trauma. So mm -hmm. maybe you can start exploring some of that or however you want to begin. I yeah, open it to yeah. you. So I think one of the most important things is to start with a, just a basic definition. And um, my basic definition of trauma is anything that happens too much, too fast, too soon, coupled with something that should have happened that didn't. And so if I'm, if I'm brutalized or if I'm hurt or if I'm raped and I can't extricate myself from it, either because I'm too small or either because I'm, I don't have enough strength or either because there's a psychological component to keeping me in place, then what can happen is, is that I can actually like create a, a way of leaving, right? And that's, it's, it's, a, it's a protective, it's not a defective uh, uh, strategy, but it's my way of saying, if my body is going to be put upon in ways that I'm not comfortable with, then I can't be here when that happens. I got to leave. And so if I'm, if, some, if, I'm, if, if, if I'm being beat or brutalized or raped, I can't be there. Now, at the same time that that brutality happens, the other thing happens also, which is somebody should have helped me. Somebody should have reached out. Somebody should have looked out for me. Somebody should have rendered aid. And when that happens, many times what happens is that people override in order to get through it. 
And uh, what we know about trauma is that trauma over time decontextualizes trauma. So over time, what these strategies can look like personality in a person, they can look like family traits in a family, or they can look like culture in a people. And this is why it's so important to begin to look at racialized trauma and, and the, the things that, that are coupled with it is because there has been a, a lot of trauma built around the concept of white body supremacy, around the, that the white body is the standard of humanity. And if we don't begin to kind of look at that and unhook it, we'll just keep replicating it. And so just to start off with, I, I, you know, in terms of orientation, I really try and let people know that my orientation with regard to trauma is the too much, too fast, too soon coupled with a uh, uh, what should have happened that did. Right. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And and on a and on a micro level, on a personal level, on an individual body level, we mm-hmm. certainly know that that can apply to someone who, for example, was in a car accident who didn't get yeah. the kind of attention yeah. that they needed, which is That's an experience right. that is traumatic and certainly mm-hmm. unfortunate and all of that. But mm-hmm. what we're going to get into and unpack a little bit more today, because I have had some conversations around the other example that I just uh, described, um, is a little bit more about how this applies to, as you say, also as a people. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me, as a people. Yeah. So so, so there, there's a, a theory that I have that I call the HIP theory, um, H-I-P-P. And it is um, historic, like when I'm working with a body, I'm working with the historical aspects, I'm working with the intergenerational aspects, I'm working with the persistent institutional aspects, as well as the personal aspects. And for me, all of those things get coupled together. And so so many times, especially when you're looking at real kind of like chronic types of expressions of trauma, many times the reason why people can't articulate it or why sometimes the talk therapy is not adequate is because sometimes what they're dealing with is the pass through. They're dealing with what got passed down from, from, from the mother's, 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 mother's nervous system, got decontextualized, and by the time it gets to me, I have a sense of it, but no way to articulate, right? Um, and so many times those couplings, the couplings, the, the overcouplings of of protection and then the undercouplings of resource, those things all get coupled with the hip stuff. And it's really hard for people to quote unquote, think their way through it. In this society, we have, we lean so heavily towards logic and thinking as the way to healing. And many times that's a rabbit hole. That's, that's a domain that will, that will keep you moving through this, these catacombs that you won't be able to get out. And so that's why I talk a lot about the hip theory, that some of the energy, the thwarted energy that's showing up may not necessarily be your energy, but it's showing up in your body. Um, and, so, and so when I'm working with people of color, many times those, those, that energy is, is, gets what I call um, uh, decontextualized, internalized white body supremacy. So we internalize these ideas and these standards around the right white body, and then it gets coupled with our own personal peace. It gets coupled with 
all of this stuff. And it's a and and, and people start to turn the defect into as as something's wrong with me. Not what happened, but what's something is wrong with me and wrong with my people and wrong with black people and wrong with Latino people and wrong with native people and you see what I mean? And so part of the work has to part of my work is really about how do I help those bodies unhook those things enough and that's part of why I wrote the book is unhook those things enough to where there's enough space and enough room so they can begin to come together with other people that have enough space and have enough room and create culture to unwind some of this so beautiful beautiful yeah, yeah I, I really appreciate what you're saying and 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 the unwinding is um again i think really a nod to what the roots of um mindfulness as its original eastern practices mm -hmm. um from you know the buddha 2500 years ago when he sort of came to this which many cultures many ancient wisdom traditions have sort of pointed to for a a very long time is what you what you already are what you already have what's innate within you is that which we are just sort of trying to let shine so all these other things that have been obscuring that that have been put on um, whether it's a story or a narrative or a particular experience or a diagnosis or you know any yeah. of those things that they can you know they're they're sort of the clouds in front of the sun so to speak but that you're unwinding you're unearthing you are um sort of parting um, to get back to that which is right there underneath it all maybe yeah. layers of shale down but it's yeah. still kind of right there yeah 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 it's 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 the reason many times it, it, it how do i want to say it? so in this society we have such a genuflect to individualism right we have such a genuflect to um bootstraps do it by myself blah 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 Many of the brutalities that have happened to us didn't happen to us individually. They happened to a community. They happened to a people. So while individual self-discovery and mindfulness and all that stuff can be important individually, it is inadequate for what we're contending with. <laughs> it, is, it, it, it is not enough. And so if we're not about the work of also as healers, we're not about the work as also helping um, and not not co-opting, but bringing things to the field that will allow people to create and co-create culture that can actually and reclaim culture that can actually um, heal some of this stuff. Because we're no one, no individual therapist is going to be able to heal this type of brutality. This is going to take, I always tell people that I'm training, this is going to take at least nine generations. This, this, the, the type of work, it's not, not the enlightenment work. People can get enlightened about, you know, uh, people can get enlightened from one moment to the next. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about mindfulness from one moment to the next. I'm talking about how to co-create a, a culture that is built on uh, on on real uprooting 
in the body and in the field of the white body being the standard, right? And for me, uh, there's this thing that I call the five brutalities, right? And you spoke to some of it earlier, right? One, one, one of the five brutalities is imperialism, colonialism, land theft, um, uh, genocide, and enslavement. Those, those five brutalities, um, if, if we don't contend with the requisite uh, uh, trauma that those five brutalities have keep on bodies, not just, not just a historical, like a date this happened or a date that happened, but what actually happens when you watch somebody being whipped? Like what actually happens to the body that's witnessing that? What happens to a white body where you're 10 years old and your dad takes you to a lynching of, of five black men in Duluth, Minnesota, where 15,000 white bodies show up to sanction this brutality? What happens to the body when you smell that, when you see that, when the sanctioning is happening? What gets passed down to you that becomes decontextualized culture. And so, and so if we don't begin to grapple with that as healers, right? Then if, 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 if our ethic or our ethos is all bodies are the same, let's just, let's just you know, invite people to bring into this time. We just, if that is our move, don't touch people of color. Don't put your hands on them. Don't, 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 because you don't know what you're working with. That when this, when this stuff starts coming up, you will frame it in a way that is not helpful and will keep them locked in to the horror. And so um, part of my work is really helping us as healers understand that there's a whole lot of work that we got to start doing. Um, and this is what I appreciate about what you're trying to do is what you're trying to do is you're trying to say, look, there are these things that are out here in the larger field of healers that we have yet to grapple with, right? That's what I appreciate about what you're doing, right? It's because if we don't grapple with this, we're locking people in, and then we lock it in under the guise of healing. It, that, is a, that is such a horrible thing to do to a body. Um, and, and anybody who's watching us and they say, well, you know, that that's not really that that's not that's not that important that's an addendum no it has this work has to be woven into everything that you do you have to understand that understand that if what you're about is healing i am so grateful um for what you're saying and appreciate the the praise or compliment also but but really it's important what you're doing is important well, I appreciate that. And I, I do feel that it is important. And the fact that I'm in a position of privilege to be able to do it and share it is um, something that I'm grateful for. And I'm grateful for folks like you who are doing the work that then I can, I can share it um, with yeah. a larger audience also. And I say that because I would not have 
been, um, to use the word, uh, popularized perhaps by millennials, I would not have been woke to uh, these, <laughs> these aspects uh, of my own blind spots had I not uh, been invited by um, my teacher, Jack Hornfield, to really look at um, what is going on with um, really um, issues of uh, systemic racism and, and oppression uh, and its continuation. And, and how does that apply to not yeah. only uh, the world at large, but to these spaces, mindfulness communities, um, uh, communities of, as you say, healing? And, and, and where, do we, where do we begin to do this work? So yeah. um, sort of taking a stab in the dark, I just sort of started with these conversations, but here we are. That's right. Um, right, 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 right. Can I ask you a question? If you yes, don't I, I know you probably asked me a question. No, I do not mind at all. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 um, when you're when you're like in the in the spaces that you're in, um, and and like um, you know, obviously our you know the, our shades are different, right? Do you think you hear things? that probably I wouldn't hear. Yes, and I also think you think you hear things I wouldn't hear. Well, I, I mean, hear things I'm talking talk about in terms of what people are communicating. Do you mean am I privileged to hear things and be privileged to yeah. insider sort of? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I do. So, so here's a question that I have. Um, what things do you think are important for us as healers to know that maybe, um, it, it, let me say this specifically, what things should I know as a, as a healer of color that, that, that I probably would not have privy to hearing? Ooh, you put me on I the spot. Know. <laughs> <laughs> you put me on the spot, but but that's okay. Um, okay. You know, and, and, and I'm going to walk it back a half a step to just say, you know, we don't know what we don't know, right? So maybe I'm right. hearing things that I'm, you know, I, I would suspect yes to, you know, answer to your initial question and I'll keep, you know, holding that. Um, okay. But but at the same time, I can't say that I have been in the hallowed halls of such okay. and such, you okay. know, with deep conversation around um, these issues at such a level that maybe you're looking for. What I This is what I hear when I'm talking to folks who are in these healing spaces, whether they're specifically spiritual teachers, whether they're healing, you know, community teachers, therapists, and stuff like that um, with a more secular lens or, or whatnot. I feel all trauma work is sacred work, whether it's macro, whether it's racial, whether it's systemic, whether it's oppression, whether it's individual or whatever. I feel like it's all sacred work that I feel privileged to do. And I know you do also. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I guess what I, what I'm hearing is a lot of talk around, we need to do something about diversity and inclusion. I feel bad. I, I, I know I didn't create this problem. Um, I know we need to do something about it. So in there, I hear a lot of like, you know, mm, sort of mm. helplessness or shame or confusion or uncertainty or, or those kinds of things. Again, well-intentioned, you know, um, folks who want to uh, sort of begin to explore this. Then I hear, well, we need to create a training around this. We need to create our own, you know, sort of, version of this um and and then i and then i my response to that is well is that really necessary there's lots of stuff out there i'm sure it's been kept out of 
uh, traditional history books. Ensure you're not going to learn it um, during Black History Month in February. Ensure you're not going to understand um, if you are someone with white skin privilege or light skin privilege even, mm -hmm. or socioeconomic privilege around these issues. You're not going to understand it from those sources. I know I didn't. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, frankly, I'll, I'll disclose this piece. I went to Harvard. Um, I went to private school when I was a kid and then to public school. Um, these were not things that I learned growing up with my Italian-American family in Massachusetts who were very social justice oriented. Mm -hmm. And also I feel have blind spots around white skin privilege yeah. um, as much as they reached out to folks in communities of color and, and, and really did do a lot of great policy work. So going back to your question, um, what do folks who are in positions of power and privilege, who are in these healing spaces, what is it that they are telling me or what is it that I am hearing? And I'm hearing in some ways some we need to do or right. we should be doing. Right. I'm not hearing, which I think mm. is equally important. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take Dr. Joy DeGruy's course on yeah. um, historic trauma and racism, which is a 10 yeah. week course you can take online um, that talks about things like Otabenga, who yeah. is um, uh, a man who was literally put in the monkey cage here in New York City um, and then shot himself when he was released because uh, it was so dehumanizing to his uh, humanity. What I don't hear is um, white skin privileged folks talking about Linnaeus and other folks who created categories of race that didn't exist. What I don't hear them talking about is um, the fact that they created a name for uh, the mother of us all, uh, the skeleton that was found, um, that they've, they've named, that folks have named Lucy, but who was given an African name um, when she was discovered and that all of our roots go back to her. Um, I don't hear folks wanting to do that work. And those who I've sat in spaces with, with white skin privilege around these issues, these are, these are spiritual communities. Um, as someone with light skin privilege, I, I, I there's a lot of shame mm -hmm. and there's a lot of retraction mm -hmm. and that's okay. And so like, as you know, as a somatic experiencing practitioner, we're holding this and we're creating yeah. and widening our window of tolerance. Yeah. This sure. is all sort of discop discomfort tolerance, if you ask me, and yeah. grief work, and yeah. grief work, personal yeah. and larger, yeah. right? Yeah. And, yeah. and once we kind of do that work mm -hmm. together, mm -hmm. then we can move through it and come out the other side. And as I was saying to you earlier, mm -hmm. Game of Thrones is going to start soon. We become Valyrian steel. We all do. And <laughs> yeah. then we can start, the, you know, fighting off the White Walkers yeah. or whatever they <laughs> are. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's, who, he, that's who we become. Uh, you know? I don't even know if you know what you just said. We can start fighting off the White Walkers. But well, anyway, well, isn't that, isn't, yeah. that, isn't that the name of them? Uh, yeah, that's well, right. I mean, yeah, it could right, be right. a double yeah. entendre, which <laughs> I'm not I mean, getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going there. You could go there. But I'm just saying, that's, the, that's what Game of Thrones calls it, right? Yeah, that's right, that's right. That, so I'm just, I'm just using the metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> right but but as communities we can do this um not just as communities of color i'm talking about folks with that's white skin right. light skin privilege that's and it. the main piece here is that um ruth king who's a dharma teacher a mindfulness teacher talks about racial affinity groups and examining the concept of whiteness as a race and what does it mean to share in this mm -hmm. white body trauma mm -hmm. so um that's the work that i would invite folks who are doing these trauma healing practices from a psychotherapeutic angle to do 
is don't create a curriculum. Study the history that's here. There are plenty of places where you can do that and learn how to be a partner and an ally Absolutely. in different ways. Absolutely. I think, can I, can I tell you, so that, that it's really beautiful what you just said. I, I think that, you know, so, so I've been doing a, some, some workshops with um, Robin D'Angelo. She's a friend of mine. And actually, I'm actually flying out in June, flying out to Seattle to do, me and her going to do some work together. And so me and I, she came to town a couple weeks ago and we were talking. And one of the things, and I, have, you, have you ever met Robin? I've not met her, although I've read okay. her work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you ever get a chance to interview her, you will, she, first of all, she is, she, she uh, Robin is very, um, when it comes to this stuff, Robin is very gangster with it. I mean, she's like, she, she gonna put it right, <laughs> especially with white folks, right? She gonna put it right where they can get it. Now they can decide they can get it or not, but she gonna put it out there, right? And so I was talking with her, we were eating dinner and um, she, uh, uh, she went on this, started talking to me about this idea of white people thinking that niceness is the answer that as long as they're nice and as long as they are um they're you know they are not brutalizing you at that current time then that is the answer to white body supremacy right then that is the answer to everything and that is the first dive that is the first kind of uh rabbit hole racial dodge that that, that many white people use it you know i'm nice or my people are not or i haven't I marched with Dr. King, or I did this, or I'm married to a black man, or I'm married to this, or they start coming up with these racial resume points to, um, um, but that never, that never allows them to go through what I call the suffering's edge. There is no heat, there's no heat and no energy in comfort. And this whole structure is built around white comfort. The only heat and energy is in the edge of leaning into the suffering of not being aware that there is a structure that is built on you and that white body being the standard of human, right? And then everything else is a deviation from that standard all the way till you get to the black body. This is not a structure I created. This is the structure that was created to keep people in power in place. That that there is the, the these racial hierarchies that were created, where the juxtaposition of humanness was the supreme humanness is the white body. The antithesis of that, i.e., not a remember the first the race question originally started off, I believe, is interwoven with the species question, right? That- The species. The species question, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Am I, as I'm talking to you right now, a monkey? Yes. Right? Am I not human? That was woven in to all of this stuff. So when people tell me, well, you know, I just, I don't see race. Right, the colorblindness. That's right. The first thing that I do when I hear that is, you're dangerous. Right. Not, you're not a good white person, you're, you're not, I don't hear that. I hear, you're dangerous, 
And now I need to, and, and my body starts to move into that protective. Even and, if I'm, go ahead, John. Well, no, I was going to say is to unpack that a little bit, because I'm just trying to try to pull this apart mm-hmm. and talk. You know, people, they call that colorblindness. And I think it was Conda Mason who um, is at East Bay Meditation Center. And yeah, you know, Conda. Yeah. Um, and that she, you know, she was talking about this to our group of mindfulness um, students um, in the training that I was doing and why this was problematic. And um, that, uh, you know, again, the intention versus the impact. And the idea that you don't see race or whatever that may mean, not only disavows you from having to learn more about the uniqueness of that person or their house history or their culture or what um, race or race differentials or, you know, skin differentials mean to them as an individual and as a collective, but it also, it, it means you don't, you don't really have to do that work to understand that, but it also, um, it, it doesn't enable you to see the uniqueness of that person's yeah. own, um, like you're, you're not seeing my race. That's like, that's like, well, but wait, I'm a mixed ethnic woman. If you think that I'm like Norwegian, that's a problem. Like I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, or if you think that I could just as easily be um, a New Zealander, that's a problem. Cause I'm not, you know? Um, and so the concept behind that, I'm like, I'm very precise about language when it comes to certain things, maybe it's yeah. my poetry background. Yeah. Are you trying to say, that I would like to come from the position of knowing that there is an inner core, and as Dan Siegel even would say, a plane of potential or a possibility within each of us that is free of the construct of race. Beautiful, go into your non-dual teachings and your spiritual places, but let's not spiritually bypass to that. That's it, that's it, sis, that's it. And and, and, And that's why I think it's beautiful what you're doing with this podcast is because I think that this, that's the genuflect in the healing field, right? The genuflect and the standard in the healing field is to bypass. It's to anything to do with race. You know, there's all of these dodges. And so I think think that these types of discussions and and the trainings that that you're doing and we're doing and getting people exposed to it, so they can't, so you can dodge it if you want to, but don't act like ain't nobody said. Don't act like nobody, nobody has told you. Don't, you have made a conscious effort not to weave this into your practice, right? Because you understand that there will be suffering. There is, if, 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 if you're going to go into this, like I'm doing a lot of work. So, you know, Fernando Castile, one, one of the things that happened here is that uh, my work really took an uptick over the last five years because of a lot of the police, uh, uh, the police brutality thing. And it didn't just have an uptick because of um, the, the, the actual shooting, the actual shooting. It had an uptick because all of the people, all of the activists that are on the front line doing this work, activating, um, Many of them don't understand the trauma aspects of that, right? And so a lot of my work has been working with those bodies, right? Getting them to understand the activation and the settling, right? Um, and, uh, and, and beginning to help them, help them create reprieve spaces um, 
collective spaces. Uh, a friend of mine, Dr. Uh, Dr. Joy, she wrote a book called um, Post Traumatic uh, State Syndrome. No, 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 no. Just different, different Dr. Joy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's wrote, another one that people can yeah, read, though, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Yeah. She wrote a book called uh, um, Radical Self Care. Yeah. Yeah. And she talks about how things like that we used to do in, in my community as a people is things like uh, meal prep together, like on Sundays. My grandmother, everybody would go over there and start getting them food together for the week. And everybody would be in the kitchen, the kids would be out here, and, and that reclaiming that piece. She also opens her house to wailing circles, right? To get at, because some of this stuff that shows up that feels so big can't be held individually, has to be held as a group. So she brings people together and have other people around in there leaning and grunting and, and wailing with the person and humming, right? It's, 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 it's so beautiful. And, and a lot of, and, and many practitioners that we know, sis, that are in this field have no concept of that type of stuff. None. Yeah. No, no. And, and what's interesting is, is that there are other practices that have been brought in. Um, and Stephen Portis talks about this, you know, polyvagal theory and the nervous system mm -hmm. regulation mm -hmm. and beautiful, beautiful man, beautiful contributions. That's right. Um, and, and we'll talk about how, you know, use a clarinetist, how we know you have a certain vibrational That's energy, right. you know, it, it helps calm the nervous system and engage the yes. parasympathetic and all of yes. that. And that these are sort of, you, you, you can learn that with quote unquote evidence-based practices and research and all of that, which I'm glad that he's done. Um, or you can do your grandmother's uh, whaling circle <laughs> and get together with your people and cry it out and hug it out and, and have that be your and safe lean space. it out and 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 vibe it out and and grunt it out and smell it out and you know all of it, right? <laughs> and all of it. And so, and so that's, I'm, I'm really appreciative of what you're trying to do because, you know, not a lot of people, not a lot of people can, um, can, can put this out here like this it, because one of the things I think about this is that sometimes when we're putting stuff out like this, um, we think that, yeah, it's information. People just take information. We don't realize how threatening this is. Mm. This stuff, this stuff, people, people. People take this and do really tight, really weird things with it. And whereas, like, like I just, and you know, because you've taken it, I just did this, this five-day free e-course. Um, and uh, so most of the feedback that I'm getting is like, oh, my God, you know, and, you know, you're, you're, you're saying things that I had, that I had always kind of had in my field but you put it in words and now blah, 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 blah. And then there's other people. <laughs> then there's other therapists, right? Who this type of thing is so threatening and they can't unhook it from their protective responses. And so uh, they basically went through all five videos override. Mm, yeah. Right? So they watched all five videos and actually, the first 30 seconds of the first video, they left, right? But they watched all five videos, right? right. And so, and so um, I think what you're doing is important. And I also think for some people, they're going to hear this through a filter. 
um, that uh, that is going to be so hard that it's going to be hard for them to uh, lean into it. So, and and that's so, cool too. Yeah, and you know, it's not to take as we know with somatic experiencing, we do pendulation or titration. You know, I like to say, you know, we we take a little bite and we chew, and then we swallow. And That's then we it. let it settle. We're That's not sitting there trying to eat the whole pie in one, That's you know, right. you know. Right. And so, it, and and I think that a big part of it, when you talk about the override, take in a little bit, and then see whether or not you can tolerate just that little bit. That's exactly right. Because honestly, it's a lot to take in and to take on. And like, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams talks about, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like sort of none of us are free until we're all free. Like, mm-hmm. and like, this isn't, it's, if there's a, if there's an invitation and an offering to begin mm-hmm. to explore some of this and recognize as we do with mindfulness, the separation of the meaning making and somatic experience, you know, what's the narrative? What's the story I'm telling myself about this? And then, you know, uh, what's the attitude, the Vedana? What is mm-hmm. the, um, you know, feeling tone around it? Is it pleasant, unpleasant, mm-hmm. or neutral? Can mm-hmm. I be with what's unpleasant right now, which is, mm-hmm. wow, this is bringing up some stuff for me. I'm mm-hmm. feeling a little activated. Mm-hmm. My nervous system is getting a little bit um, reactive. Can mm-hmm. I breathe my way through it? Mm-hmm. Can I literally hit pause? Can mm-hmm. I create a little bit of space mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then take the next bite? Mm-hmm. Or do I need to just say, well, no, I don't eat that food. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, yeah. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> it, it is what it is. I'm, I, I just, for me, I got to keep doing what I got to do. I appreciate that. And um, I'm getting a sense that we're running out of time. Yeah. Um, can I ask you one more question before we you go? You can ask me any questions you want. Do you have do you have time or not? Do you have another absolutely, absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, then we're going to keep going for another ten minutes. Okay. All right. I, I'm good. I'm good then. I'm glad. Um, you know, I want to go back to that because I just want to say, like, well, this isn't about blame. This mm-hmm. isn't about shame. Mm-hmm. This is about accountability and responsibility, personal absolutely. and collective. And it really, in my opinion, gets to the root of like wow, we're really in this together. And we see that with climate change. We see that with global warming. We see that with, you know, our neighbors, you know, and when we open to that and we see, um, frankly, that, you know, it's, you want to call it the browning of America or whatever it is, you know, the census data. Yes, of course, we're all, you know, we're all in the same soup. You know what I mean? We flavor one another. Um, And and some of that's cultural appropriation too, which we're not going to dive into. But this piece about, discomfort tolerance and then comfort mm-hmm. and then this idea of um oh equality looks like oppression to people in positions of privilege mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know can you talk a little bit about that yeah yeah so so the way that i kind of frame it is actually one of my mentors two of my mentors dr davis nourish and dr um dr james maddox who's since passed one of the things that they would talk to me about is this concept of clean pain and dirty pain, right? And that clean pain is that pain, like, like as adults, many times what we want is we want the choice between pain and no pain, right? That's, that's what we want. We want, uh, so there's pain here, I want to have the choice of having no pain. And as adults, we know, we know that the reality is, is that m- most of the time, we can't choose between pain and no pain. We have to choose between clean and dirty, right? 
We have to choose, we have to make a choice around whether or not we're going to go through something and it's going to be painful or go around it and it's going to be painful. And, and, and I think what, what, what many of us do is make the choice to go around it. And as a collective and as, as a society that's built around white, white body supremacy, we have all of these dodges to go around it. And I think where, where discomfort comes in is that the moment there's any discomfort, the ability to develop tolerance to, uh, tolerance to it is to actually hold it for a beat. Not get rid of it, not immediately go to a yoga class, not immediately do some, you know what I mean? Just hold it to see what comes next, right? And many times we don't, we haven't built the structures or the, the, the crucible for those reactions to occur in. So what happens is that the moment that we start to experience any discomfort, we have dot, we, we, we created these very elaborate dodges around it that look like healing, that look like social, um, social moving and, and look, like, uh, look like caring, but are actually dodges, right? Um, and so really developing discomfort tolerance is really about can you, hold, like you said, titration or, or uh, uh, just bite a little bit, notice what happens. Can you hold... Can you hold it for a beat and can you notice if and when and how and what the texture of the shift is, right? And you may not, what you may notice is that you can't and that's noticing. <laughs> yes. Right? And, and, and then the next time you go through it, and this is one of the things that I kind of talk about reps, right? Is that in white bodies, when when you when I'm working with white bodies because we do a community of practice a lot of community practices around the country where white bodies get together and one of the things that you notice is that because the structure is not built around them understanding race and if you don't understand race you don't understand nuance right that's why these kind of protective hard protective responses come up so fast right? and protective uh, and so what ends up happening is over time. If you can't hold it for a beat, then you can't build capacity. It is impossible to build capacity around this subject specifically, right? And so um, the, 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 the part of the work is creating a crucible so those reactions can occur and that you get reps in. Like you, you work out, you do, you do things, right? You know the first time you do that exercise, it is, it, 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 you, it does not feel good. It is not, it is not, right? And so, but, but you go back to it again. And then you go back to it again. And then about, you know, a week or two later, it, you don't experience, you still experience the pain, but you don't experience it quite the same way you did at the, at the first piece. And many times this whole structure, this whole society is built around white people never having to get reps. Right. Yeah. The moment they start to get rest, they drop away, <laughs> they collapse or they move in right in these in these pieces. And then and they can't build it because they're trying to build it individually as opposed to co-create culture to hold it so they can build it out. And so 
when I'm talking about tolerance or discomfort, that's what I'm talking about. How do we, how do we get reps? A lot of the white bodies that, that we work with, I go, like, they, they say, well, this is just too much. And I always say, notice that. Notice that the tonal quality in your too much is, I'm going to drop away. And what I want to say to you is this. I don't get that choice. Right. I can't drop away. So I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just real. I'm just telling you that when you drop away, know that you're walking away from me because I don't get that choice. And if you are in community with me and you love me and you all woke and you, you know, all that different type of stuff and you, and you walk away, you are supporting a structure in that walking away, right? From community, from work, from staying there with other white bodies and moving through this. And, and so you can do it and understand that it is not a benign choice. Yeah, and I think that that's so critical is that, um, like I said, I as a mixed ethnic, mixed race person, um, I guess I had been choosing walking away in many ways um, before I, I didn't know really. Um, and a lot of that again is about safety and, and, and the, you know, sort of personal individual experiences that I had had with my father in particular, but also with my father's side of the family and different, you know, languages yeah. they were speaking that I didn't understand and different, yeah. you know, skin colors, they didn't look like me. And, and, and it wasn't that I ever disavowed or disowned that it was that it was associated and overcoupled through somatic experiencing language with trauma meaning yeah. that there was and so of course i don't want to you know dive in there yeah but eventually as i came to be able to have enough other um inner strength through things like um doing reps around mindfulness doing reps yeah. around re meditation i should say yeah. around retreat yeah. practice yeah. around um which frankly started with being held in connection with teachers and communities that i felt um, where this was okay to try to do. Yeah. Um, and not around the issue of race, just around the issue of my own crap. Yeah. yeah. Um, that that started to open the door to say, oh, can I unpack a little bit of this? Yeah. Can I go and look at this racial piece? Can I, and it doesn't mean that it's like perfect right away. Like I still have, I mean, I am, I have my own biases and my own, you know, like this isn't like it just goes away. That's right. Th but that's okay. So how do we hold it and then open up a little more space? Right. So, you know, it's like, cre I call it creating space for well-being. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this, and this, and no, I was just going to say in this piece about, you know, you talked about structure, about hierarchical structure, anything with hierarchy implicit in that is oppression. Anything yeah. in the collective yeah. and we're sharing this space collectively is sustainable. The oppression piece or the uh, the hierarchical piece, whether it's, you know, the broader structured patriarchy or, you know, as all the subcategories of the isms like racism fit in, fit within that, it's just not sustainable. It's not. It's what's it's killing not. our planet. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it. Mm -hmm. Right. We're seeing it. I mean, it's right in front of our face. The, the, the part, part, part of what I really try and get people to understand is that this is not a... This is not about a cure. This is about can we metabolize, and I really mean this, can we metabolize that energy that starts off as really raw and really protective and really, um, one of the things I say about heat is that heat can cook or it can burn. 
And right now, the heat that we have right now is burning, right? And if it cooks, you have to monitor it. You have to go in there and you got to taste it. Ooh, that needs a little salt. Let me put a little salt in that, right? And you, I mean, that's the, that, that's when I talk about reps, that's what I'm talking about is how do you turn it up when it needs to cook a certain way? And then how do you turn it down and, and, and understand what needs to be in there, what doesn't need to be in there, and what things you need to add? And, yeah, that and, discernment uh, of the yeah. wisdom of knowing that's what it. to do or what that's not it. to do. That's and that takes time, yeah. Yes. And, and, you know, again, to quote Ruth King again, she says, no one to bid or pass. That's right. About playing That's cards. It. That's but right. like, you're not going to go in all the way 24 seven. It's not, That's right. we're not asking that. That's right. And you said nine generations, you know, yeah. okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, my yeah. teacher, like I said, Jack Marfield, he talks about, you know, one of his um, stories that he tells us about the 500 year peace plan. It took yeah. us, you know, we were in this civil war for so long uh, and, and it's going to take us 500 years to get out. The leader said, okay, yeah. fine. So yeah. it's, a, you know, but, but, and that's the thing when I, when you talk about reps, I hear mm-hmm. practice, yeah. meaning yeah. that life is yeah. the practice, you know what yeah. I mean? But yeah. in a culture of perfectionism, which mm-hmm. is different from discernment and in di- discipline and mm-hmm. commitment that's it's right. different. You can do that. That's what we're going for. We want that's that. Right. But perfectionism, no. I mean, no, can't do it. Yeah. Good. All right. Anything else you'd like to share with us? No, I mean, we could talk all day, but I don't yeah, think that's going to yeah. work. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think I, I'd really like people to, to go to my, um, just my website, resma.com, R-E-S-M-A-A.com and check out the free, uh, free um, uh, video e-course um, and I and I think that just a couple things about that is that make sure that you check your junk mail when you uh, your junk and your um, your your spam uh, folder because sometimes it gets it gets slipped in there and then also sometimes you may have to switch your browser um, but uh, but I'd really like for people to just join and go there check it out and then um, and then uh, we'll keep having courses up there. Moving yeah. Through. yeah, yeah, no, I really appreciate it. And, and, you know, and, and everybody has to like, you know, pick your lane, right? Like if you're going to be the global climate change activist, great. If you're going to advocate on children, you know, great. If you want to do prison reform, great. But this isn't like, this is like, you can, I think, can weave this in. That's too. exactly what you have to. <laughs> we have to. There, there, it has to be what we in, right? So. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. All right, Res Mamanakum, the author of My Grandmother's Hands, Racialized Trauma, and The Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies, one of three of his books. Again, um, I'll have all the information up on uh, your website, on our website, and just so appreciate your work and uh, all you do. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, sis. Thank you. Take care. Mm-hmm.